0: What's going on everyone? Welcome back to Echoes of Ellen. Our guest today is Jonathan Jeter, a drummer for Reverend Horton Heat and Jonathan Jeter and the Revelators. He's also done crew work for Kid Rock, Everlast, Seven Dust, Pat Green, and many more. If you've ever seen him with the Rev, I you know that he fits right in with them without outshining them. But he's also a great singer-songwriter, with a really eclectic sound that you can tell is any different genres. I've been excited to do this one for quite a while, so let's do this. What's up, dude? What up? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, can you yeah, hear me? Absolutely. Nice and clear.
1: Cool. Right.
0: Hell yeah. yeah. Nice. <laughs> What's up, man? Good to finally get some real FaceTime here and not just over Facebook. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: I, I know it, man. I know it. Yeah, we've I've been out on the road for uh, I think about two weeks yeah. now on this run, and uh, got about two and a half more to go. I was going to ask you where you're at right
0: now, where y'all are located or playing.
1: <clears throat> I'm in, uh, I mean, Cape Cod right now.
0: Oh, wow, Cape Cod.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, <clears throat> a a little. It doesn't quite look like what I anticipated it to. But I did, uh, since there's like Shark Fest or something going on in Discovery Channel right now, I was like, I found this art co- app called uh, Sharktivity, and so like it posts like all the great white sharks tagged around me right now, and it's like 15 of them in like the last day and a half. So I, I guess it's no, co- no coincidence that Jaws was filmed up here. I was just about to say, Jaws filming... <laughs> yeah
0: yeah you beat, you beat me yeah. to it I was gonna mention too I was looking through some photos of yours you know because I put together a little intro piece for each one of these and whenever I was you know yeah. coming through your photos I noticed the background of one of them immediately I was like that's the Texas chainsaw massacre gas station you know because I, I was we- go ahead.
1: Yeah. yeah I was wearing the shirt today yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my wife
0: and I we, we've stayed the night there like I think maybe six or seven times now we, oh, oh, very yeah, we cool. love it yeah 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 i like that place yeah a lot. i i, I kind of went nuts with it though i scouted out like all the locations from all the anything that was made down there in bastrop or austin and kind of went and found all that stuff yeah oh very yeah. cool but jaws though cape cod wow that's cool i've never been able to go up and play like on the northeast or anything like that the coast like that that's so cool you're yeah doing it.
1: you're living it it's uh, it's an interesting part of the world for sure. Yeah. It's not the there's not the uh, the Texas hospitality that we're used to. <laughs> really, really is that different? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a different breed of people for wow. sure.
0: Wow. Wow. Um, I usually start out by asking everybody if they might want to kind of talk a little bit about one of their first experiences or memorable experiences in Deep Ellum. Uh, you know, something that really inspired sure. you. You know, maybe one of the first bands you saw that really fired you up, made you want to you know, go down and do that same thing.
1: Uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, the, uh, the the first memory for me was I was 14, 13 or 14, I think. And uh, I don't know why my mom let me do this, but she uh, let me get Weezer tickets for they were on the Pinkerton tour. And uh, she just dropped me and my buddy off like 13 14 years old and we you know went into deep album live and uh watched the show and it was it you know when you're when you're younger like it was it wasn't like going to see a show it was like this magical experience that like you can't really put into words you know like just the 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 smell of stale beer and like the watching you know the the crowd and the bands kicked all the ass and uh I, I i knew i already knew that that's what i wanted to do but that really sealed the deal right for me
0: i remember seeing uh silver chair down there. i think it was the bomb factory bomb factory yeah I, mean? I think it was when they had just released frog stomp you know i was i was only like 15 i went with a friend of mine's older brother he drove us down there i still remember like you said though you know it wasn't like any of the a lot of the shows i got used to later on it was there was something magical about those first couple of ones yeah
1: Uh, absolutely yeah absolutely and then i mean i it wasn't it wasn't long after that that i was playing down there right um you know orbit room and uh galaxy club they would do those Saturday afternoon, matinee, all-ages shows, and so that was a staple for me. I mean, if we were, if I wasn't playing, I was definitely down there. Um, I was super, and still am, but like super into like Southern California punk rock at the time. And so all those bands were coming through, and they would typically do like one of those all-ages shows at one of those venues. And so I got to see a lot of great bands at that time and then even ones that like still like played you know not all ages shows still just go down there and stand outside and listen and it was completely life changing
0: the orbit room you mentioned that one i haven't heard that name in a long time i don't know if i ever really yeah. saw i don't think i ever even saw the
1: inside of that place uh, i remember it was uh it was just a little shotgun kind of building uh Kind of reminiscent of Eight Airs, I guess, uh, yeah, but a seedy, seedy, dirty punk rock club.
0: <laughs> nice. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Uh, and Orbis, you uh, I, I kind of like to move like chronologically, I guess, through the projects, you know? That's what I normally do. Sure, on sure. Orbis, you, you said that you started that in 96.
1: Was that? I think somewhere somewhere around there. Yeah, I think that's that right. Is that where
0: you started in Ellen, like on your own stuff? With your own music,
1: uh, yeah, yeah. I played drums in that band, and we were we were super fortunate to, you know, growing up in Greenville, Texas. We were good buddies with Ben Quayler and the Radish Guys and whatnot, and so uh, they would put us on gigs a lot of times. And uh, you know, I we were playing gigs that we had no business being at. You know, at the at Club Clearview on a Friday night. You know, here's these 15-year-old kids up there punk rock hansen going at it and um and it was kind of funny because like you know we'd have to wait outside until it was showtime and then we'd come in set up play the show and then they were like all right you got to get the hell out of here so uh you know we did a lot of those gigs with those guys and um we, we were real fortunate that they let us kind of you know tag along and play shows with them but yeah that was definitely the first the first band that I started playing down there with. I remember
0: Radish very well. I remember uh, Little Pink Stars, right?
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I just saw saw John Kent. We're still good buddies to this day. Uh, He lives in Nashville now. And uh, the second show on this tour was in Nashville. So he came out and brought his whole family. And we were hanging. It was good to see him. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, they were like a power trio, right? Three of them? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Radish. Orbis, I looked you guys up. I had trouble finding Orbis, uh, so I could try to see what you guys sounded like, see what type of music it was. Did y'all go record anything? Did y'all there was
1: there was one there was one recording we did a fu- one full length that you know in the time you know it was it was kind of in th- that birth of like DIY kind of thing yeah. you know like uh, computers came with CD burners and stuff and so like. You know, it was all self done. We went to a—I uh, don't even remember the name of the studio or who engineered it in Dallas—and uh, we cut it. We cut ten songs live, and uh, we just burned them ourselves and sold them at shows. Cut ten songs live. But so it, all of
0: y'all together in one room recording all at the same
1: time. It, it, okay. Yep, yeah. Okay. Yep. And then uh, I—it never made it to the digital platform. I mean, it kind of got—you okay. know—it was such a such a short-lived little endeavor that it never, uh, uh, you know, never made it to the, to the digital platform. I, Maybe that's something I need to think about doing.
0: I know you play a lot of different instruments. I see you sing and play guitar. You also play drums. What did you play in orbis I played drums, drums in orbis Drums in Orvis, okay. Would you say yeah. drums like yeah, your, way... your main uh, – sorry, I didn't mean to step on what you were saying there. I was just asking drums are like, is that like your main – if you had, like, I guess for me, I'd say guitar is probably like, I played several different things, but guitar is probably my number one. What would, I mean, if you had to pick one, what would you, uh, what was your main it, it
1: would be, It would be a hard sell to figure that out because I got a guitar yeah. for Christmas when I was 12. And then my birthday's in May and I got a drum kit. So, yeah. like, you know, six months apart, basically, five months apart, I, you know, I got both those instruments, and uh, I, I kind of just w- went, you know, full in on both of them, and so, okay. you know, as of right now, drums is my bread and butter, I mean, that's that's my paycheck, but, uh, you know, playing guitar, being a songwriter, um, that's, that's my main passion, I guess you would say, okay. um, but I mean out in Greenville, I didn't really have a choice. If I wanted to play in a band, like, there was all these guitar players and no drummers. So I was like, okay, well, I'll bite the bullet and I'll get a drum kit and I'll learn how to do that so I can play in bands.
0: You've mentioned Greenville a couple of times now, and uh, my first show ever in 95, I believe, it was at a place called Chauncey's, uh, downtown, oh, yeah. downtown Billiards. I think
1: yep. that was, was that the right name? Yep. Chauncey's place, yep. Yeah. yep. Oh yeah, I played there... God, man, uh, at least every other weekend for a few years. And hmm. there's there's still bands that would come in from Dallas and stuff that, uh, I mean, the bands are now defunct, but the, the players, I still I still talk to a lot of those guys super regularly. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I I definitely cut my teeth at Chauncey's. Yeah, Spurs.
0: yeah, I'm still somewhere around floating around on the VHS tape. There's a show, our first show ever. Hopefully it never gets on the digital platforms because it's really bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Orbis. Uh, on Orbis, how long did that band run Run for? How long were you in Orbis? That, that,
1: that band ran for probably about three years. Um, and it just kind of, everybody kind of went their own way. The the singer-guitar player, he got really into uh, drag racing, and so he started building um, hot rods and stuff, and so that's, that kind of took his focus off of playing. And then the, the, the bass player was a very avid skateboarder, and so he was really more into doing that. And, um, so he went on to play in some other punk bands. And then the guitar player, he moved to Kansas, and uh, he's a farmer now. Oh, wow. they kind of went yeah. in different directions. Yeah, that
0: happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so at the park, I guess at some point, you know, O2, you start putting that together. Well, I guess, was there... You you did a lot of like uh, working in clubs and stuff like in the late '90s, right? I saw some pics of you not too long ago in the early days of you like working sound and stuff at Curtain or mm-hmm. Galaxy, maybe.
1: Yeah, there was uh, there was a little bit of a few shows that I did. I uh, guess, some guitar tech work for Radish. At uh, I think we did one at uh, one at Galaxy Club and one at uh, uh, Curtain Club. Yeah. And, uh, so th- there was that, but then that band at the park was kind of a, kind of an odd situation. Cause like I had, um, wasn't really playing out a whole lot at that point. And, uh, a girlfriend, a serious girlfriend and I had just broken up and, um, a buddy of mine had started this band at the park and they had a, a tour lined up where they were they were we were support for the all American rejects on their like first super huge theater tour. And so they needed a, uh, a hired gun guitar player for that tour. So uh, about the second show into the tour, they were like, you know, you're not a hired gun. You're in the band. Uh, So, you know, we were, we were 20 year old kids out on this major tour across the U S it was seven weeks with uh, like, with all American Rejects, and it was when that first record was really slamming for them. So, uh, realistically, it was a bunch of twenty-year-old kids out on the road trying to figure out what the hell we were doing right. out there. Oh, um, wow, that sounds really fun. <laughs> it it was a lot of fun, and it was definitely a, a learning experience. But you know, we got out there, and there was four guys, including me, in the band, and we had a uh, we had a merch guy with us. And, uh, but we, we did the tour in a Suburban with no trailer, so five dudes, all the gear and all our luggage in a Suburban uh, for seven weeks across the country. Oh, yeah, and so so I had to, uh, there was no clear tour manager or anything on, on that, that trip, so I kind of took that as mine, you know, and settled the shows and uh, learned all about advancing and, you know kind of, just kind of fell bass backwards really, in, into kind of what would shape my whole job now, basically.
0: Interesting. Just kind of fell into that by default, because it, there wasn't anybody there at the time, you know, to do
1: it. like, Exactly. All right,
0: I'll step in. Interesting. Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, you know, we're like in Phoenix, Arizona, yeah. and like, no one else is doing it, so I'm like, okay, well, I gotta do it, or we're not gonna get to the next town. <laughs> you know and what I mean? Those so- guys
0: are real shy, yeah, so one of us has got to be like the you know a talker you know or a good people person so exactly (laughs) exactly um yeah yeah on at the park um what did you play in at the park what was your uh i
1: played i played i played lead guitar in that in that band okay yeah um and that that went up we played uh again galaxy club a handful of times uh, after that tour, but then that one, that band kind of, kind of went defunct as well, uh, it was, uh, it was, you know, some, some personal issues with, with some of the guys, and, um, so a lot of us, a lot of us left, and then the, the singer, lead singer, reformed the band, but kind of went a whole nother direction, it turned into, like, a, more of a metal band, kind of like a Poison the Well type band after, after we left. Oh, wow, Okay. Yeah. And so it wasn't really a direction I was super interested in going either. So because uh, we were we were a, we were like a pop. Uh, I hate the term, but we were more like a pop punk band at that time. And that was, you know, the punk rock part of it was more my speed. Yeah. So
0: I guess maybe so, in the back of your mind, so, you were kind of somewhere in there starting to think about Revelators. Did you have that name and that idea
1: kind of in the back of- for a little um, while leading up to that? Well, there was actually a band in between there uh, that came very shortly after, and uh, at that time, I guess, like, I hate, I hate the term, but, like, alt country was really starting to kind of come out of the shadows and be kind of a, um, I don't, not necessarily a mainstream thing, but bands like, you know, Uncle Tupelo, Split, and, like, Wilco, and uh, Sunvolt were starting to kind of come out on the scene, and bands like Lucero and drive-by truckers were coming out. And, um, that was really catching my ear. And so, um, I mean, I've always been like a traditional country fan, but like the, w- the way that I was seeing these guys, like kind of taken like a punk rock ethic and being songwriters really appealed to me. Yeah. So I started this band called old bull Gaines, that, uh, I, I play guitar and sing in that one. And that one ran for several years, uh, until it just kind of lost, lost. I mean, we were we were playing all the time, and uh, lots of lots of deep elm shows, lots of curtain club shows, lots of liquid lounge shows, um, and uh, that one just kind of, you know, it was just getting to the point where uh, everybody had day jobs, and it was kind of pulling in, in different directions, and so that's when the Revelator thing kind of came into play, right after that. So. Um, you know, we kind of we played our last show, and then uh, I think I was rehearsing with my new band, like, two weeks later. Okay. I mean, it, it was really, really Real fast. quick. Yeah. Yeah. So the first incarnation
0: of the Revelators, you said that ran from, like, 2010 to 2015. You guys had, like, a good five-year yeah. run there on that first version.
1: Yeah, it was great, man. I mean, I was running all over the country with that, and uh, I had a – the EP that we put out sat in the top 100 on the Americana charts for about seven months. Uh, to, you know, uh, that was. Is that right? Yeah. Yep, yep, okay. yep, yep. So we sat in the charts with that one and made. I mean, I made some great, great connections uh, with, you know, some tried and true people like Ray Wiley Hubbard. Really took an interest uh, in that band and um, and we we were gaining lots of momentum, but the the issue was just, like, keeping a band together that was interested in in, in touring as much as we were, you know? Yeah. I bet In that five-year span, I bet I went through probably 20 band members, probably. Yeah. I mean, it was a constant revolving door. Well, the road's
0: a hard life, for sure. It's hard to, you know, to get people that want to do it for, like you say, for a long period of time. A lot of people like to do it maybe for a couple of years, I'm sure, but then you know, there's, there's very, there's not all a lot of lifers, you know, I definitely consider you a lifer, right, you know?
1: Yeah, the, man, I, I'm a road dog, man, <laughs> you know, and there, it's, a it's, it's, it's hard, man, you know, you, you're, you know, you're out here, you miss, you miss birthdays, you miss weddings, you miss funerals, you miss, that you know, uh, everything, yeah. you know, um, mm and so it's it's it definitely takes a, a certain kind of person to to be out here but you know on the flip side of that coin you know it, you know like my wife i mean it takes a very sp- special kind of person to put up with my bullshit too right. you know yeah i credit
0: my <laughs> wife with that too absolutely yeah you you're so right yeah. about that yeah
1: <laughs> yeah but you know we 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 did a lot of great stuff with that band and uh got to open up for a lot of different people and, uh, you know, like I said, we played all the way, we never hit the West coast very much, but you know, from Colorado, all the Midwest up to New York. I mean, we, we ran that quite a bit, uh, a lot around Texas. Um, it kind of got lumped in with like the Texas country bands that, you know, at the time that whole movement was kind of coming out to, And, um, and so, we kind of got lumped in with that. And that's not exactly what we were. You know, we were a a rock and roll band with, with kind of a country tinge to it, but you know, it was definitely a rock and roll band, but I would um, say
0: so too. I was just listening to late to my own funeral and there's a lot of other amateur uh, video guys out there on YouTube that have caught y'all, you know, back then on that, some of those tours you're talking about, a lot of people that filmed y'all, they'll just get random show clips, you know, and songs and stuff I found on YouTube. And, uh, you know, i definitely say, yeah, there's a lot of rock in there, for sure. It's not just... Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah,
1: yeah no, def- definitely a rock and roll band. And that I think that that was kind of like when the burnout eventually hit me was uh, kind of due to that. Like, you know, our, our agent was a, a Texas country booking agent, and our manager was really pushing because that was such a hot thing at the time. Yeah. And uh, it just... It wasn't my vibe, though. You know, I mean, I um, just I, I, I had no no intention of wanting to play country shows. Sure. Uh, you know, I'm a rocker, yeah. man.
0: No, I don't see anything wrong with that. Yeah, you wanted to keep it that kind of keep it in that audience. Yeah, the rock audience. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Exactly. People
0: that, exactly. People that also know? dig like you know the metal stuff and the crossover kind of audience because country yeah. artists they. I don't know. Rock can be kind of a tricky thing, right? With the country audience. They don't really, you know, sure. yeah. I mean, yeah. Country's not really what I'm familiar with. Uh, not that I have anything against it. It's just as far as my own personal taste and what I listen to. I'm not really knowledgeable. I'm way more knowledgeable in rock than I am in country. I guess I would say. Um, sure. Is my, sure. Yeah.
1: Uh, and it's kind of funny. Like the, i'm hesitant to use the word snobbery but i mean it kind of comes across that way in the country crowd against kind of the rock dudes because i mean if you listen to any of like the top 40 country stuff now it's basically a rock band with a twangy vocal in front you know what i mean uh, yeah
0: modern country's got a lot of rock in it yeah
1: it's you know we we did a gig we opened for eric church at sturgis a few years back and um I mean that's a rock and roll band, man. Like there, there's like, you know, one, one guitar player is like playing a Telecaster through like a twin reverb, but like the other two are got Marshall half stacks, and you know uh, yeah. it's, you know, huge, huge, big rock and drum kit, and uh, you know, it, 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 a rock and roll band. Um, I saw those Sturgis picks. I
0: remember those picks specifically because they were epic. I remember one in specific where I think somebody was behind you. And looking out towards the crowd in Sturgis, and you could see, I think, like the all the stands behind the people, and maybe there was a Ferris wheel back there, maybe not. But I remember a lot of desert uh, and stuff. But yeah, just that. Yeah, that that was a cool pick, though. I, that really stood out to me when you said Sturgis. I I remember that.
1: Yeah, I did one. I did one Sturgis. I guess it's been two years ago now. Uh, we opened for Kid Rock. Wow, and that was. That was probably the hugest show I will ever play right. <laughs> in my life. I, 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 I had heard there was ninety thousand people there that day. Yeah. It was, it was pretty, it was pretty wild. Man,
0: what that must have felt like! What a rush! I've never.
1: Well, it was over just as quick as it started, <laughs> you know.
0: <laughs> no, real quick, yeah. Yeah, yeah. At the yeah. time, trying to just stay focused, you know, especially with that many people watching. Yeah. 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 That's amazing, though. Kid Rock. Wow. Did you get to meet him? Did you get to, like, take hands or anything?
1: No, man. He, uh... Oddly enough, his tour manager used to tour manage Reverend Wharton Heat back in the 90s, oh. so uh, you, you know, they've got, like, a closed backstage and stuff. They don't let anybody mm-hmm. uh, side stage while he's playing, but they let us, like, they tucked us over and to the side and, uh, you know, granted that we behaved and didn't get anybody's way. Uh, yeah. But when it was showtime, the band started playing and then, like, he hadn't even gotten there yet when the band started playing. And then he, like, he he pulled up at, pulled up in an SUV smoking weed the whole time and, like, he already had his in-ears in and uh, the monitor guy handed him a microphone and he, like, legit, it all happened so quick. He walked right by us and then it was right into Kid Rock! And that whole thing. Yeah, it was... It was a pretty wild experience. That's awesome,
0: dude. Kid Rock. You said I. I saw that uh, you mentioned you did crew work for uh, Seven Dust. Man, that's yeah. one of my personal favorites. I mean, back in the '90s, that was my. Those guys were my jam. You know, the first two records. I mean, I've listened to that, countless times. Man, those guys are legendary, in my estimation. Yeah.
1: <laughs> they are a phenomenal group of people uh to work with i uh i worked with them for about 18 months of their uh kill the flaw tour cycle and i guitar tech for uh clinton vinny on that one and uh it was it was a really fun experience we 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 all had a, a good time together there was never any kind of like there was never any kind of situation of like, man, this this tour kind of sucks. I, these guys are rock stars. Like, no, they were they were super humble, fun dudes, and uh, it, we would hang out and stuff. And it was they never really treated me like a crew guy. It was like a buddy situation. Dude, that's um, killer,
0: man. You got to you got to work. Your job was to work on the seven desk guitar rig. I mean, that's yeah. It's like the coolest job ever. I mean, God.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I would change uh, strings on, I guess Clint had seven guitars and Vinny had four basses. So I would change strings on all those every day. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it was kind of funny how the how the crew guy thing even happened, man. Because I, to kind of backtrack a little bit to that Revelator oh, we situation, it, like, we, we uh, you know, I, like I was talking about how, you know, we were, they were booking me in places I didn't really want to be. and some uh, and so I just got really burned out, and I I got home right before Christmas, and uh, we got home, and I was like, I called my agent, and I was like, we're done. I called my manager, we're done. Called the band guys, I was like, this is done. Uh, and then I I didn't even I was so burned out at that point that I I don't even think I picked up a guitar for a whole year, and oh, wow. uh, and then I was I was doing construction work and. Uh, but that you know, there was still that going on where I, I was I needed to be involved in something, but didn't quite know what it was going to be just yet. And then I had some buddies of mine were working with uh, working with Pat Green uh, on his crew, uh, doing monitors in front of house and uh, well, you know, Braxton. And so they uh, yeah, so they they uh, you know kind of would bring me out on the road with them on some stuff. And so I, um, Brandon needed to fill in for some, uh, for monitors and guitar tech for some shows. And so, uh, they, you know, hooked me up with that. And then shortly after that, my, my good buddy, Mike Warren, uh, had to leave the seven dust tour to go do a run of shows with, uh, some 41. So, uh, he called me up and he was like, Hey, are you interested in doing this at all? And I was like, yeah, man, let's do it. And, uh they went really well and uh so after that after that little run was over um their tour cycle kind of ended for a little while and then um when it got time to to, to kick back off um uh, they just called me directly and so i did you know the rest of that tour cycle with them um so yeah it was the kill the flaw tour right yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's a good yep. record too yeah it's a great record I really enjoy that one but it's kind of odd because that that led me right into Reverend Horton Heat um, Okay. so I had gotten off that tour and I was sitting sitting in my house like enjoying a couple of days off and um Rev's manager called me from LA I had this weird LA number pop up in my phone and they were like hey do you have any interest in going to work for Reverend Horton Heat and I was like when are we leaving <laughs> Because that's always been a, a massive favorite band of mine. I mean, I I think I saw my first Rev show in 90, 96, probably, in Deep Ellum. Uh, it was, uh, well, no, it wasn't in Deep Ellum. It was in Artist Square. You remember that place? Artist Square. Mm-mm. No, I don't recall. And so off of downtown, and it was, I think it was Toadies, Reverend Horton Heat, and Trippin' Daisy oh, all wow. in one show. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so I was... uh. I was young. My, my cousin took me out to that, and uh, you know I was hooked on that band. I've always listened to to Reverend Horton So when I got that call to go to work for them, that was a pretty mind blowing well, situation. I think it, I, I like, went... Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. There was no. We didn't even talk about money or anything first. I was like, uh, mm. I, I, I went and met Jim like two days after that call, and uh, I think we left out on the road about a week later, and that was about seven and a half years ago at this point nice and then during and then it gets even weirder and then you know then covid happened and then uh you know there was so many negative things to draw from from that but for me personally like it was uh another life-changing situation because the previous drummer and reverend Wharton. he uh uh, still to this day a dear friend of mine Arjuna Contreras he played with the 1100 Springs and a bunch of those bands too uh around around Deep Ellum but uh you know he didn't feel comfortable going out um and doing shows and um uh, Sturgis was actually my first one uh to play so Jim calls me and I guess you know he had kind of canceled pretty short notice and uh Jim calls me and we're talking about logistics of you know, flights and whatnot. And then he he was like, oh, yeah, by the way, you're playing drums on Saturday, too. <laughs> and I was like, oh, really? <laughs> okay. So I had like 48 hours, basically, to learn, you know, a 22-song set list. And um, we rehearsed once and flew up there and did it. And Sturgis was that show that you had to go out and start with? Yeah. Yeah. Not the 90,000 people oh, one, but still, yeah. Though, yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it was, it was still mid pandemic. We made my first show with the band. We made TMZ for us and smash mouth. we on TMZ because of that. Uh, sweet for, for playing for, for, playing during the pandemic. So <laughs> It's kind of, it's kind of funny to think back on, but, uh, but yeah, man. And that it was supposed to have been temporary, but it's been working out fantastically. And, uh, you know, I've been been in the band now three years. Next month, so. that's amazing. And they uh, so you guys, you're still actively with them. Have you have you recorded anything with them yet? Like, you I up? yeah, we've got we've got a new record out right now called Roots of the Rev Volume One, and it's a uh, it's all cover songs. Like most of them are from the fifties. Uh, a lot of it's kind of obscure rockabilly covers. Uh, that's my first one, and I. I only play drums on one song on the record, uh, and I play guitar on another song oh, on the record. Oh, cool. Um, guitar on. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've got an acoustic track on there as well. But we are going to be, uh, we've got a little bit of time off coming at us, so we're going to be getting back in, uh, into kind of getting into writing mode um, here pretty What's soon. What's that
0: acoustic track? I want to write down the name of it real quick. Sorry. Oh, man. You know what it's called? I don't even remember what it's
1: called. Uh, I'll just put it in real fast. Yeah, just so I'll, I'll look it up later. Yeah. yeah, it's on it's it's on Roots of the Rev. And if you look at the like, it's got everybody listed on there. Uh, I can't even remember the name of the song. It's not. It's a deep it's all, cut. We don't obviously don't play that one right. live. And yeah, I love acoustic stuff. So that that stood out to me. You mentioned Liquid
0: Lounge earlier and our acoustic show that we my, my band did at Liquid popped in my head. I love anything related to acoustic. Yeah. So yeah.
1: Yeah, me too, man. I, I really really enjoy like stripping everything down raw. Yeah, um, yeah th- that that Horton Heat track that I play on though, I mean, it's more of like more of like a percussive, like you know, just for the rockabilly. Right. So it's like a, qu- a quicker song, and so I don't even think you can really hear notes. You can hear like the ching ching of the you know acoustic on that, that bass one, player,
0: though. man. In Rev, that guy is a beast. I mean, oh, Jimbo, Ooh. yeah, yeah, that upright bass and. I mean, I'm a bass player myself, and I know how painful it gets, you know, when you're really playing some of these bass lines for, like, hours at a time in practice. You know, it starts yeah. to hurt. But I can only imagine, and I've never tried that with an upright bass. I bet it's even worse. No, oh, you
1: know, man, I, I can't imagine. There's no fret. Like, it, you, is, would,
0: you know? And that's right. Yeah,
1: I'm like, where, where are exactly. we? Exactly.
0: Yeah, like, where's my guy? I think there's little yeah. dots on the side, right? But that's it. Yeah, yeah. The, that guy's always impressed the hell out of me. I can play uh, Psycho Freakout on Expert on Guitar Hero. I
1: mean, I'll say that. Nice! Yeah. Nice! That shit, yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm going to play that song here in about two hours. Alright, really? All All right. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. I was going to ask
0: if you were with the Revelators or if you were with the Rev. Yeah, yeah I'm out with Rev I'm right with now. Rev. Yep. Okay, alright. You guys are supporting
1: that release yeah. you're just talking about, right? The uh yeah. Okay. Yep, we're out right now on a East Coast run and we've got our, our good friends from Vegas, the Delta Bombers out with us, killer band. Um yeah, it's going great. Yeah, that's awesome. But to get back to the Revelators, yeah, yeah. uh you know, we we uh that was something that's always been you know, I'm always been a songwriter and uh, it was just kind of time for me to put something back together again, where, you know, I can kind of scratch that itch of, uh, kind of getting my music out to the world, you know, whether it be, uh, more of a recording project or playing shows. And, um, so I was talking with my my buddy, Brandon Callies, um, (laughs) about what I was wanting to do. And, um, so we put a band together and, uh, Brandon plays bass, um, a guy named Alex Martinez who played around Deep Ellum in a band called Pal- uh, Palomino for a long time is on guitar. And then, uh, Garrett Chapman who plays all around Deep Ellum, uh, in a band called Dog Company, uh, is on guitar. And then, uh, the drummer is, his name is John Byersdorfer. And he's, uh, he played, in, uh, do you remember that band Break Vegas at all? Yeah. They were, they played around town a lot, and then I think they ended up turning into Mothership at some point. But, okay. Um, so, uh st- stellar group of dudes. We played our first show together, uh, d- a double wide on the 10th, um, June 10th, and uh, it went great. It was well attended. It was really fun. So yeah, that, that thing's kind of coming together, man. It's kind of steamrolling really. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of interest behind it. So I'm gonna be kind of cramming that in in between you know my my rev tour life you're going from, uh, so, drummer to frontman, you know yeah <laughs>
0: that's interesting yeah that's quite a switch i got a friend that does that too my buddy jason he's got one band where he's the drummer and then the other one where he's got to be the singer so that's, that's, yeah. that's an interesting flip flip-flop there yeah
1: it is it's like it's a whole nother you know whole nother mindset you know like My take on playing drums with with Reverend Wharton Heat is, you know, I had massive shoes to fill in this band. Uh, There's been some phenomenal drummers over the years in this band. Uh, Taz Bentley, um, uh, Scott Chirilla, RJ. I mean, they're just all phenomenal players. And uh, my take on playing with this band was like, I I wanted to kind of sit back a little bit and like... uh, Really, I, I kind of, I play drums like a guitar player, you know what I mean? Like, so, you know, I, I try to dial back the fills and stuff and let let Jim, you know, people bought tickets to see Jim play guitar, you know yeah, what I mean? And seeing yeah. his songs and, you know, uh, you know not not to yeah. see, yeah, I don't want to step on that in any kind of way. And so we're having a really good time with it. And we're playing a bunch of Jimbo joke He makes the joke that, uh, that we're you know, a rock and roll band, like in the early days. So we were playing a lot of the old stuff, uh, from the, the, a lot of stuff from the first three records, the, the first three sub pop records that came out, and, uh, which coincidentally quick plug that sub pop re-released all three of those records on vinyl. So, um, it's been really fun to support those as well. Man.
0: Sub pop. I forgot that their first couple of releases were on that legendary. Le- yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's pretty crazy, and we, we just did a tour last. Well, it's almost been a year ago. September uh, or October, November of last year, we were out with Toadies, and so Toadies were doing uh, Rubberneck in their entirety, and we were doing Liquor in the front. And it's I, saw, I
0: saw like the poster for that show or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. And Nashville Pussy was on uh, quite a bit of that that tour as well. So it was definitely <laughs> '90s nostalgia fest for me for sure. <laughs> yeah, I remember when they kind of took off in the
0: what was it the late '90s and they were on one of the Ozbests or something? Uh, Nashville, yeah, Nashville, yeah, yeah. I, I remember. Uh, I think it was Ozbest '99, maybe. Anyway, yeah. But uh, yeah, dude, uh, I wanted to. I wanted to say uh, on the Revelators, I was listening to Voodoo Woman and Barfly. I just wanted to say yeah. those two in particular, Barfly and Voodoo Woman. I really dig those two. Uh, those are, those are awesome, awesome tracks. And you're a great uh, singer-songwriter, dude. Like, you've got the, whatever it is, because I can't, I've, I've always been terrified of the mic, which is hilarious that I'm even trying to do this right now. Like, I'm, I'm a great guitar player, I mean, decent, but uh, when it comes to the mic, though, like, not even backing vocals, like, I've never done it. Like, they don't, they, you know, anytime yeah. I've played live, they know better than to even put a mic stand out there. Like, hey. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. I don't know. It's always really blown me away how you guys can think about the lyrics and everything that's going on with that. And you got the guitar part going at the same time, all the riffage and all that, you know, so that those two things going at the same time, you know, it always blows my mind how y'all do that, but whatever.
1: There, there is some, uh, some new music, uh, that's not out under like under, it's just under my name, Jonathan Jeter. That's, uh, that I did. I recorded at Braxton's. Uh, that's that we're playing live, like with with the new version of the Revelators. Uh, there's uh, some songs that we did with him there. Uh, but that 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 recording process was super special to me because Braxton kind of took me under his wing and taught me how to be an engineer. And uh, so he was kind of like, "All right, well you do it, man. Like I'll you know I've showed you how to do it. Now you do it." And so. Uh, that that was my first record to um, to engineer myself, and uh, so that was that was pretty pretty awesome. Um, and uh, I just I re- really appreciate you taking the time to do this.
0: I know you're a super busy dude. And uh, oh man, I really appreciate you asking man, me. Oh, absolutely, you seem like you were like a really not only a really important part of that scene, but you just seemed like that scene meant a lot to you as well. I could tell, you know about.
1: It meant yeah. everything, you know. Yeah. It, it meant it was. You know, all my it was like an education, you know, growing up down there and like on things that I didn't realize would be so important to me in life. You know, like um, I mean, in the from dealing with people, like to dealing with you know, and the you know things that aren't even music related, just like life skills that you know I picked up just from being in Deep Elm all the time and like. Have uh, made some lifelong friends out of it, and it's it's it is super important to me even to this day. I, I I love I love Deep Ellum. I mean, I can be from where I live now. I can be in 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 the neighborhood in 15 minutes, and uh, I, I it is it's a mass, massive part of my life, and uh, I really want it to uh, you know I don't want it to go anywhere. So I don't either. I think it's important. I think it's important that people kind of, kind of like archive, you know, their history too, you know?
0: And that's precisely what we're trying to do here with this podcast, shine a light on some of the amazing and often overlooked bands from my hometown of Dallas, Texas. Deep Ellum means something different to all of us, but we've all shared the same stages and all hung out in the same clubs. I want to document all that history. Our journey is far from over here. Special thanks to Jonathan Jeter, Reverend Horton Heat, and Jonathan Jeter and the Revelators. I'll see y'all next time.